Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. and be like, Pastor, I really want to join this church. But you know, you say keep it moving, so I'm going to just go to the and keep it moving. And and I just want you to know um, there's a difference between, I'm not talking about being planted. I'm talking about being stagnant. And there's a difference between being planted and being stagnant. Being planted is staying so that you can grow. Staying in your faith so that you can grow. Being stagnant is staying in a season so that you don't have to grow. Has anybody here ever overstayed their time in a season? No, I'm talking about maybe you overstayed your time in a relationship season. Come on, you knew early on they were not the one for you. But, good kisser, you know, and so you hung out there. And everything about them yelled, get out. But you just overstayed your welcome, you know. There were signs everywhere, like your mama don't like them and she likes everyone. (laughs) There were hints all along the way, like they never came with you at church and the middle name was Lucifer. Things like that, you know. You knew it, but you just overstayed and you ended up paying, you know, paying the price. Sometimes we overstay our season in spiritual growth. Like, I love that we have so many brand new Christians at the church. Like, it excites me. But you can't be, like, at that level of spiritual growth forever. Like, for a season, that's cool. And by the way, whatever season you're at spiritually, you've already been there too long. God's already calling you out. Ernesto and I were talking because his boy came up as we were getting ready for the service. And he said something funny. He was like cute. And you know, you, you know how babies, you know, but they're not babies, but they're boys, but they talk and they, they say things the wrong way. And we were having a conversation about like how hard it is to correct your kids when they say the word wrong because it's so cute. Anybody know what parents what I'm talking about? Right? Like my son, Zane and Justice, like they don't say bullets, like Nerf bullets. They say bloops. <laughs> and I love it. And, and now they tell me, they go, I'm going to shoot the bulloops at you, daddy. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> I can't correct them because I love it. It's cute. How many people know, though, that if you're two or three and you say bulloops, that's cute. But if you're 23 and you say bulloops, <laughs> hey, what was cute in one season is weird in the next. You can't stay there, baby. You can't stay there. You got to keep growing. You got to keep developing. You got to go. It was cute in the beginning. Now we got to go. Is it all right to curse when I'm a Christian? How long you been saved? You new to this thing? Absolutely. I remember holding hands with Christians in a, in a <laughs> it's true. And we were praying, bro. He just got saved. Now we're like, all right, now it's time to rebuke the devil. And he was like, I hate that mother. And he just went in. And I was like, oh, OMG. He said, did I say something wrong? I'm like, go in, bro, go in. Just do what you got to do. Hey, it's cute in the beginning, but you can't stay there forever. You got to grow. Sometimes we overstay our season, you know, in our frame of thinking. Guys, you just got married. You're not single anymore. So now you got to change your frame of thinking from when you were single to now that you're married. You know, it's like, well, well, I'm staying out late. Well, then call her. Let her know you're going to be home late. Well, I'm not going to call her. I'm a man. Not once you got married. <laughs> you, are, 
no longer a man. Now you're a husband. And with that comes responsibility. And so you need to stop getting out of that one way of thinking and start going to the next level of thinking because it's a higher level. Now, I'm, now my married people, let me talk to my single people here. Listen, young adults, <laughs> even the term is hilarious to me. Young adult, please capture the fact that there used to be a time where there were just children, teenagers, and adults. And then we created, we squeezed something in between <laughs> teenagers and adults called young adults. You know why? Because we don't want to be treated like kids, but we don't want to have the full responsibility of being an adult. So create a whole, we create a whole category that gives us the benefits of maturity with none of the responsibility. And it's like, and listen, and I believe in the category. It's okay to be a young adult, but you can only be a young adult until you're 22. Why? I don't know. It's arbitrary. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> I'm thinking four years after high school, 22. By the time you're 23, can we just drop it? Can we start leaving childish ways behind us and start thinking like adults now? Maybe get your own bank account. I don't know. Maybe get a job. I don't know. Maybe move out. I don't know. Is this all right? Am I hurting anybody's feelings today? I'm sorry. I just, you're overstaying your season. And God's got more things for you, so you got to keep it. You got to keep it moving. Now, why do we overstay our season? I think there's three reasons why we overstay our seasons. Also another rhyme. You're welcome. I think the first reason why we overstay our season is that because it's comfortable to stay. It's just comfortable to stay. You know, I, this might come as a shock to you. It's like a, not a shock, just like a random JJ fact is that my favorite grade was second grade. I know random. But the reason why my favorite grade is second grade is because in second grade, we moved, my family moved from Brooklyn to Staten Island. I didn't have any friends. And my second grade teacher did such a great job. Her name was Mrs. Flynn. I still remember her name. She knew that I had just moved and she made second grade so comfortable for me. She bought me cookies every single day. My neighbor, Jonathan Dworkin, I still remember his name. Jonathan, if you're watching, what's up? Oh, Jonathan Dworkin was my neighbor and he was in my same class. We were both in Mrs. Flynn's class. It was so great. I knew everybody. I made friends quick. My teachers loved me. How many people know as comfortable as second grade was, I can't stay there. I got to keep it moving. Now, that sounds silly, and I'm sorry to go back to the young adults thing, but it's not as silly when you got people who've been in college for six years, not working on a graduate degree, still working on that associates, still, still moving on that bachelor's, not because they're not smart, and not because they ran out of money, and not because they're not intelligent, but because they want to stay comfortable, and they know that on the other side of that diploma is real life, and you want to stay comfortable. I think one of the reasons why we choose to remain in our season, and I need you to say amen at me because this is mine right here. So when I say this one, you get a big old amen from me, okay, because this is me. And, I, and I, by when you say amen, it makes me feel less judgmental on myself. So I just need to know you're with me. Here, sometimes we, we don't move because, because we're tired. Hey, I would move. I'm just, I got no energy, man. I'm just tired. Like I'm, like, I'm exhausted. Like, life has been crazy. Church has been crazy. I just want to stay right here because I'm tired. I get it. You know, every day for the last month, I've been waking up at 3.30 a.m. in the middle of the night, every day. I had no idea why. At first, I thought it was demonic because <laughs> I'm a pastor. Because I read this book on spiritual warfare one time, and it said that uh, the devil's hour was 3 to 4 a.m. So 
I don't know if I believe that, but I was starting to. I was starting to, I was starting to believe that because I just kept waking up until I started to take like stock. Like I would wake up and I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. What's going on? Is it noise? Whatever. So 3.30 happened. I woke up and I'm like, I noticed something. I noticed that my right arm was asleep. It was numb and tingly. And I was like, what is that? Why is that happening? And I Googled it. And it turns out that the reason why my, I woke, reason why my arm was asleep was because I was cutting off circulation because my arm was resting in an unhealthy uh, position. And the reason why my brain sent a signal to my body to wake up was because it's okay to be like that for a little while. But if the circulation stays like that for too long, you can actually lose the arm. Not because I'm resting. Resting is fine. But I was resting in an unhealthy position for too long. Some of y'all are resting and you you need rest. But if you rest in an unhealthy position for too long, you will cut off the spiritual circulation to your life. It's okay to rest. It's okay to take a break. But there is a healthy and unhealthy way to do that. And if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And I get it. Your life is busy. And I get it. Or being a parent is busy. Or being a student is busy. But you got gifts. You got talents. You're supposed to use them for the kingdom of God. And if you don't use it, you'll lose it. You're cutting it off, and you got to keep it moving. You got to do the thing that got. It's great to rest for a season. I get people that come to church all the time. Well, my last church, you know, it's just I just need to take a break. Take a break. Take a break as long as you need, but not forever. Not forever. You're going to lose it. If you do it forever, well, I just can't serve on a Sunday. Then start a small group. Forget this building altogether. Can you just share the gospel with your friends at work? It's not even about a position. It's about purpose. You got to move in purpose or else you're going to lose. You're going to lose it. So you got to lose it. Your, your life, your spiritual life needs to circulate. And if you're always getting, 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 but you're not giving, it cuts off circulation. It's got to go around, you know. And the last reason why I think we remain in the season for too long, first is because it, it's comfortable, because we're tired. Here's, here's the third one. I think this is true. Because it hurts to move. There's pain. Usually because of a loss of something or someone or identity, or something like that. And you think, I can't move, because it, it hurts to move. I just, can I just sit here and heal? But the lie is in that standing still will bring healing. Standing still doesn't bring healing. Moving brings healing. I remember when Liz gave birth to, uh, to Justice, she gave, I'm not trying to scare anybody who's pregnant in this place, but it is a whole deal, okay? And she didn't get to give birth the natural way. She had to do it in the C-section, which, again, they cut my wife open and then took out a baby and put the stomach back. Like if it was a mailbox, y'all, just boop, bop. Like that's what? What? And now she's standing there. I'm talking to a person who's been cut in half 10 minutes ago. And we're having conversation, and it's just crazy. And I remember when she, when she, when the baby was finally delivered, and you got the whole kind of oh, so cute kind of season over, and the the like the aurora of the of the thing leaves, the aura of the of the moment leaves, and then the pain started to kick in, and she was in so much pain. And I was like, and I was like, I called the doctor, hey, what can we do to relieve this pain? The button's not working, the morphine is not kicking in, you know. And what can we do? And the doctor says she's got to walk. I'm like, no, no, she can't move. And he said, no, no, she has to walk because the more she walks, what she's feeling right now are gas pains and blood clot pains. And as she begins to move, the gas will begin to regulate down her system and the blood will begin to flow so that the blood clots won't form so that she can continue to move. And I saw her like a champ get out from that bed, take seven steps, and then go right back to the bed. 
I said, baby, you did good. It's, and, and, and tomorrow we'll do eight steps, you know. And, but no, the next hour she got up from bed again and she took 10 steps. And the next hour after that, she took 12 steps. And I'm like, babe, you need to rest. You need to stop. You're the pain. You need to stop because of the pain. And she said, no, I need to move because of the pain. Listen, you can either let the pain paralyze you or you can let the pain push you. That's your choice. But don't you fall into the lie that I'm going to just stay here because it hurt. No, you need to move. You need to get up and go to work. You need to go to that party, even though it hurts to see people right now. You need to get up and get on the team. You need to go to church. Every single day that we got church, if you're in pain, you need to be there. <laughs> I can tell who's in pain because they are everything we do. Now, first Thursday, the Dreamies, Sunday, they make up their own services. First Friday, first Saturday, second Tuesday, third Labor Day. They make all the holidays. They just... I just got to be around here. Why? Because if I stay home, I'll die in my depression. I'll die in my darkness. I got to move. I got to get going. I got to do something. I got to be a part of something. I know one person in church joined four small groups. Four small groups. I'm like, yo, you got no life. He said, no, I'm trying to stay alive. I got to keep it moving. I got to keep it. Moving. Movement is life, guys. The pain won't last forever. That's why I believe we have seasons. The seasons are God's way to stitch into the sky that nothing lasts forever if you just keep it moving. It's crazy because if you were God, I bet you would only create one season, spring. Because you get the fruit, right? You get the apples and the oranges, and that's great. But did you know you need winter in order to make spring? Because in winter, the tree gets to rest for spring. If a tree lived in spring indefinitely, it would literally burn out because all it did was produce, produce, produce. You need winter to make spring. You need seasons. You got to keep it moving. You know that the earth right now is spinning at 1,000 miles per hour? What? I had someone from NASA in the first service just back me up on this. This is a true story. He was like, yep. I was like, Google, way to go. 1,000 <laughs> miles per hour, the earth is spinning right now. Thousand miles per hour. And not only that, do you know that it's orbiting around the sun as well at 67,000 miles per hour? Right now, you are moving. Six, the next time your parent tells you you don't do nothing, be like, science. <laughs> I traveled 1,000 miles today. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> On top of that, did you know that every cell in your body right now is vibrating at 1,000 times per second? In other words, the only thing that doesn't move are dead things. But living things got to move. Move or die. Live or die. You got to keep it moving. You cannot stay back. This means a lot to God. It's so important that he actually created a system to keep us moving. You guys are going to like this system. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, some background context, Ahab is the king of Israel, but he's gone astray. The, they used to serve God. Now they're serving this other God named Baal and other gods. And Elijah's a prophet. He's a pastor. He's trying to get the people to come back to serve God. And in order to do that, he's having to declare some tough seasons over the people of Israel. So he says this to the king Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. And so the cycle starts with a miracle. 
Miracle is the, always the way God gets you moving. Now, I lost like about half of y'all right there when I wrote miracle on the board because maybe about half of y'all don't even believe in this thing called miracles. And if you don't believe in this thing called miracles, may I just encourage you to look around at your life? Do you know that 58 million people a year die in their sleep? Today, 160,000 people did not wake up. But you did. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a miracle to me. You want to know a real miracle? Are you ready? You came to church. Oh, my goodness. You came to church. Hey, but you could be a thousand different places. If you don't believe in miracles, just look at your, the fact that you can move your arm. You're alive. Life is a miracle. The fact that you were born is a miracle. Don't let me get into all the biology of it, but let's just say you won the race. I got my four-year-old here. I can't get too much in the details, but you know what I'm talking about. Hey, it's a miracle that you're even here. He did it with a miracle. So if you don't believe in miracles, you just don't look at life the right way. But maybe the reason why you don't believe in miracles also, here's the second thing, is because you've been praying for one, but you haven't seen it. So because you haven't seen it because you've been praying for it, now you're starting to doubt the whole thing. And I want you to know, if, there, if, the reason, if, you're, if you're starting to lack faith or lose faith, or, or if it's starting to rock you, 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 just, you just, it's just a problem. It's just in the way you're, 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 you're kind of doing it. You're trying to perform the miracle. But Elijah didn't perform the miracle. He participated in the miracle. I, don't, I hate that term, he performed the miracle. No, he didn't. The power didn't come from him. The power came from God. But he had a part to play. He was a participator in the miracle. He didn't carry the weight of the miracle, though. What did he carry? He said, my what? My you don't carry the weight of the miracle, you carry the word. <sighs> Some of y'all are trying to pray your miracle into existence, and you're also trying to force it to happen. And God's like, that's not your job. I do the miracle. You only have one job, carry the word. I'm going to carry the word in my heart. I don't have to perform the miracle. I got to declare the miracle over my life. I got to declare the miracle over my children. I got to declare the miracle over my finances. My job is to declare it and speak it. It's the big man's job to make it happen. Don't carry the weight. Carry the word. Carry the word. Now, that's, now that's a miracle. But something happens as a result of the miracle. A, um, Elijah, who was yelling at Ahab, now becomes a fugitive, uh, a traitor, an enemy of the state, because he's pretty much turning his back on his country, saying this country is going to um, suffer drought. And so Ahab sends an army after Elijah, and now Elijah becomes a fugitive. We know that because it says it in verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, leave here. Somebody say, keep it moving. Turn eastward and hide. Why would you hide? Because you're a fugitive. You're running for your life in the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan. And now, so here's the thing. God did the miracle, okay? The miracle caused him to be a fugitive. This is important. So what happened? The miracle has created a need. You know, when a baby is born, the first thing a baby does when a baby's born is not say thank you. He don't bust through talking about, thank you, mom. Thank you, dad. Yo, doc. Talented, bro. You did so good, man. Appreciate you keeping moms alive. Appreciate you getting me out of here. Can you cut this off so I can start walking around? <laughs> he doesn't. And somebody said, well, JJ, that's silly. Babies can't talk. Well, they don't come out smiling either. You know the first thing they say when they come out? Wah! When a baby is born, 
The first thing it does is cry. Hear me. Whenever God births something in your life, the first thing it will do is cry. Because every miracle that God performs in your life will lead to a need. When we planted this church, it was born. September 18, 2016, three years ago. It was amazing. That Monday, I go to the mailbox because we sent out mailers. Raise your hand if you ever got a mailer from Journey Church ever at one time. And mailer, good, you got some people in the front, got mailers, great. So we sent out the mailer. I get the mailer mailed back to me in an envelope. And the reason why I was able to get it in an envelope is because it had been chopped up into little pieces. But it wasn't just chopped up into little pieces. I looked at the back of it and I could tell there was writing on it. So I go into my car and I start putting the piece. It was a puzzle. I put the pieces together and in, in short notion, let me just say, the dude wrote a letter to me about never sending letters to his house again, cursed me out in the letter, then cut it into little pieces so that I could make a puzzle out of it and receive revelation at the end. <laughs> and I thought, my God. And, and then that same day, I opened up my email and somebody wrote to me about preaching heresy on launch day. So we birthed this thing, but this thing's already crying. You know when God bursts the promotion in your job, it's going to lead to more responsibility, right? Like you have to do more things. Miracle, knee. How many people, listen, you're, maybe you're a business owner. I, you know, having a successful business or ever experiencing success in your business is amazing. It's a miracle in and of itself just to experience success because so many businesses don't experience success. But there's a difference between experiencing success in business and running a successful business. Because you'll pray for the, for the, for the thousand sales, but you were never prepared to deal with a thousand customers. So you got the miracle of the sales, but now you need a fulfillment team. Now you need inventory. Now you need processes and systems. You weren't prepared for the need. You were just praying for the miracle. But with every blessing comes a burden. They're connected. But don't, don't, do not despair. Because this is, a, this is a part of the divine design. Because something happens to the woman's body when the baby cries. When the baby cries, the brain releases oxytocin. Oxytocin then affects the mammary glands of the mother... I'm just dumping a touch of science, of science on you today. I did my homework. The mammary glands begin to react to the oxytocin, and this is scientific fact. This is proven. When the baby cries, guess what happens to the mother's body? She begins to produce milk at the sound of the baby's cry. Guys, this whole breast milk thing, that's a miracle. I remember watching it for the first time. I was like, what? The doctor told us, hey, your son, he's a little short on this, this, and that. And I said, well, what do we do? Do we get him vitamins? He goes, no. He said, the mother's body knows exactly what the child needs. And so her milk is unlike any other woman's milk. Her milk is uniquely designed by the body to meet the needs of the children. I said, this is crazy. This baby, this is a miracle. It's a miracle. It was, it was kind of weird too, but it was a miracle. I remember watching Justice, you know, and feeding, and I was like, this is a miracle. And then I was looking at him a little longer, and I was like, Back up, bro. Back up, bro. Same. There you go. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. We still don't have the same relationship. We just, I was just land. Um, same thing happened to Elijah. Look, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 4. Look, and, and you will, so he's a fugitive. He's on the run, right? He's on the run. You with me so far? Say I'm with you. You're not with me. <laughs> he's on the run. He's on the run. Say I'm with you. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed ravens to supply you with food there. 
So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the book. Y'all, ravens brought him dinner. Guys, God just invented Uber Eats. He just invented DoorDash, Bite Squad, Postmates, uh, Grubhub. He made it. We're going to hold up on the music because I'm so early in this sermon. <laughs> he made it. He invented it. Guys, I don't know about you, but to me, having, having animals feed you, that's a miracle. That says miracle. So now I got this, this, this miracle, and now, and now he's living in the miracle, but he would have never experienced the ravings feeding him if he did not to move. You see, the need made space for the miracle. Now, in a perfect world, you just stay there until it starts raining again. You just stay in hiding, and then the birds just keep feeding you food. And maybe God mixes it up every once in a while. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he sends Winnie the Pooh to bring honey or something like that. Just, you know, rounded diet. You know what I mean? Just get some of the vitamin whatever's in honey. And so, but that's not what happens. Look what happens. Look what happens. Look what happens. First, verse 7. And sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Remind me one more time why there's no rain in the land. Why is there no rain in the land? Because of the drought that came on by a miracle. Are you tracking this? There's no more brook. The water's gone. So the miracle that created a need, that created a miracle, just created another need. Why would God do that? You know what I meant. All y'all need to check your heart. Check your heart. Check your heart. <laughs> the miracle that created a need created another miracle that created a need. Here's my question. Why would God do that? If God could send ravens to bring meat, couldn't he send like a little mini cloud? Like just over my spot? Like I get the rest of Israel, they're sinning, but I'm living right. Can you just send me like a cloud? Like right here? I'll just be like, ah. Yeah. Why? Because if he provides here, you'll stay here. But he's not about staying. He's about moving. So he had to do something to keep you moving. Why? Because there's more for you and there's more in you. If you'd have stayed here, you'd have stayed here as a fugitive. He don't want you to live the way you've always been. He's got greater titles. He's got greater places. He's got greater positions. But he's got to keep moving you to get there. The worship team, you can jump in now. Verse 8, the need has got him moving. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once, someone say keep it moving, to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath and when he came to the town gate, there was a widow gathering sticks and he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And that's, mind you, it's a drought. He's asking for a drink from a widow in a drought. As she was going to go get it, he called him. Oh, and by the way, bring me some bread too. Your boy's hungry. As surely as the Lord your God lives. <laughs> Listen here, man. 
I ain't got no bread. I only got a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, and now that we may eat it and die. Elijah, who was in need, because he's moving, just met another woman who was in need. You know, sometimes God will move you from miracle to need so that your need intersects the needs of other people. Because you'll never be able to help somebody get out of a need you never experienced for yourself. So God will put you through a season of need so that when you meet somebody, you go, oh, me too. I've been through that season too. I can work with you. I can help you. But if you had stayed here, you wouldn't have been able to help. So God sends Elijah out to help. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, the jar of flour will not be used and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord says, rain on land. She went away and did as Elijah told her. Someone said, don't hold back. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Guess what the need just created? This is the cycle. Except this isn't Elijah's cycle anymore. Now this is the widow's cycle because she's the one who's got to go through this. Remember, the Bible said that she used all that she had to make the food for Elijah in the night. And it wasn't until the morning. She didn't experience the miracle at night. She experienced the need at night. It wasn't until she woke up in the morning and said, eh, and there was all. She said, oh my, what I'm trying to tell you. The need is in the night, but the miracle comes in the morning. Ooh, God told me to tell somebody that your miracle is coming in the morning. The nighttime is for need, but the morning is coming, and in the morning, there's a miracle. There's a miracle coming your way. And this was her cycle, and guess what? It happened every day. This wasn't just one season. Guess what? Monday morning, miracle. Monday night, need. Tuesday morning, miracle. Tuesday night, need. Wednesday morning, miracle. Wednesday night, need. And there's still need, but there's also still provision. Some of you guys can't give God praise because you see all the need in your life. But what you're missing in the middle of all the need is that he kept providing every single way. Yeah, there was need, but there was also miracle. He made a way. He made a way. Well, God, I'm upset at you. You keep putting me in positions. You keep hurting me. Yeah, but I also provided for you every single step of the way. Stay standing, stay standing. And something's happening in this cycle. Listen, every morning that she opens up the thing and there's, there's oil there, guess what's happening inside of her? Her face, something's, we have a name for this cycle. Ready? Take a guess. Starts with this letter. Someone said grace. Grace? Nope, but it doesn't have an R. This is how you grow. Miracle, need, 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 miracle, need. And your faith grows every time God puts you in a position where you need, and then he fills that jar one more time, you go, oh, so he can do this. And your faith grows. And you're gonna need, you're gonna need it. You're gonna need it. And she needed it. Because look what happens next. 
Verse 17, but sometimes later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill, the son. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. And she said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come and remind me of my sin and kill my son? Someone said, well, JJ, I thought you said she had faith. That doesn't sound like faith to me. That sounds like anger. Oh, you think spiritual immaturity is being honest about your emotions with God? It's not. Spiritual immaturity isn't. The level of your maturity has nothing to do with being honest. It has all to do with who you're being honest with, your girlfriends or God. Are you going to bring your pain to him? Because that's what he wants. And I get it because you missed it. Because it says in the next verse, look at verse 19. Give me your son, Elijah replied. And he took him from her what? She literally brought him to God. Well, how is that faith? Because he was dead. She could have buried him. But she didn't bury her faith. She brought her faith. She went to the man of God and she said, I'm not burying this. I'm not burying my hope. I'm not burying my destiny. I'm not burying my dream. I'm not burying my promise. I'm not burying my breakthrough. I'm not burying this revival. You told me it would happen. And so man of God, you better do something with this. I believe you can do it. You did it with the jar. You did it with the oil. You can do it with the grave. You can do it with the grave. Take my son. I'm not burying this. I'm not burying this. You know, it gets exhausting carrying faith. Have you ever got tired carrying faith? You know what your problem was? You carried it by yourself too long. You're supposed to carry it, but only, long, only as long as it takes you to bring it to Jesus. At that point, you live on his lap. You say, you better bring You made a promise. Take my son. Take my boy. I can't. I'm not going to bury what God told me to bring. I'm going to bring it. And something's happening here, guys. Guys, look what happens. Look what happens the next thing. Look, then Elijah carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on the bed. And then he cried out, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Guys, he's like a major veteran in the faith. She's not even a believer. She lives outside of Jerusalem. So you got a new believer and you got a veteran Christian. Nobody is exempt from the cycle. Whether you've been a Christian for two months or you've been a Christian for 20 years, everybody goes through this. Everybody. So now he's going through it. Now he's going through it. He's going through it. Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord. Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's crying. The boy's life returned to him. And he lived. And Elijah picked up the child and carried him down the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and the word of the Lord. From your mouth is the truth. Here's what you got to understand. I'll close with this. Track Elijah. Now Elijah's cycle is complete. Remember the first miracle that he did was the weather, right? But that's kind of not even a miracle. It, it, in some aspects, he, it's just a good guess. Until, the rain, until it rains again and he declares it, we don't know. It's just starting. Then he starts being a fugitive. And then the ravens start feeding him. That's a bigger miracle than that because that can't be a, a chance. That's like a happen, right? But then you go, he goes to the widow. And then what happens because of the widow? The boy gets resurrected. Here's what you have to understand about this resurrection. This resurrection is very unique in the context of the Bible because this is the first resurrection ever recorded in the Bible. Up until this point in the Bible, no one has ever come back to life. Anybody who ever died stayed dead. Why am I trying to tell you? The greatest miracle came after the greatest need. Can I show you another way to see this graph? It's like the earth. It's not just rotating. It's moving forward. Here's another way to see this graph. Are you ready? You got need. You got miracle. Guess what happens after the, the miracle? And then what? 
And then what? And then what? Do you see what's happening? You're not just going through the cycle. The needs are at the same level, but the miracles get greater and greater and greater and, and greater and greater. It's not a trap that God has for you. It's a trajectory that God has for you. He's taking you higher, and it feels like all you're doing is going in a circle. Uh-uh-uh. Look back. That miracle was bigger than that miracle. That miracle was, he's preparing you for the biggest miracle yet. The biggest miracle yet. And you only stop growing if you stop moving. You only stop growing if you stop moving. So for the love of God and yourself, keep it moving. Just keep it moving. Here's my take home for you. Two things. Number one. If you're living up here, don't be comfortable. Don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable. Do something. Get out of it. Don't get stagnant. If you're down here, don't get hopeless. Don't get hopeless. Don't get hopeless. Why? Because the miracle is coming in the morning. It's just nighttime. Keep it moving. It's just nighttime. Keep it moving. The miracle is coming in the morning. Come on, bow your heads. Let me pray with you. Father God, you are a good God. There is nothing impossible for you. God, I'm speaking to people who are on the mountaintop and in the valley. What I love about you is that you're not just the God of the hills. You're the God of the hills and the valley. You're the God of the good times and the bad times. You're a God of the struggle and the miracle, the need and the miracle. And so, God, we, we come into your presence today, and we ask for your strength to keep us moving. I believe there's some people here today, God, we've just fallen into comfort. We've just been in this place for so long. Honestly, in the beginning, the fact that my relationship relationship was a mess. It bothered me. But now I'm actually comfortable in this dysfunction. I actually would rather it not get better because it's going to take work to get better. And I'm actually comfortable right now. God, I pray that you would spark that heart for change and you would spark that heart for move. God, there's somebody here today. We're just tired, tired of fighting for always the right thing, tired of praying, tired of believing, tired of volunteering, tired of serving, tired of, of holding on. God, I pray you would give energy and strength. God, the power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me and that power can get us moving and so we keep it moving. Father, I want to pray for anybody who's in pain today. And maybe the pain, it hurts so much, God, we can't even lift our hands to praise and worship you. And we're just going to stay in still. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and open our eyes, that you would help give us the strength to lift those hands. Come on, if you're ready to move, I want to encourage you and you feel comfortable, won't you lift your hands with me today? God, I want to move today. 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 I'm not going to stand for this anymore. I'm not staying back. I am bringing you the things you promised me. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not staying back. I'm going forward. 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 Come on, worship team. I'm going forward. I'm going forward. Come on. Now's your time. Don't stay back. You've been in your season for too long. You're overstaying your season. There's another season. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Come on, we hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.